What's up amazing people? My name is Anne Muruge and I am proudly Kenyan. As per usual, you're listening to For Better 254, a space for young Kenyans to learn and learn with the name of bringing forward a better Kenya for us and for generations to come. Yay, yay, that's what going. <laughs> hey yo, how's everyone doing? I hope you're alright. Oh my god, it just feels so good to hold this microphone and just record. Like, what? <laughs> it's been it's been it's taken time but i'm back and um you know i want to go straight to the point as you might be knowing if you've been uh being updated on my insta stories i have been talking about the education system and trying to understand our value of the education system right and where this came from is from the perspective that over time i've been talking that for us to move to a better kenya that means that we have to start by holding our leaders accountable we have to start by evaluating some of these things that happen in our country and so i felt that uh for us to be able to strongly hold our leaders accountable we need to be aware of the kind of systems that rule us the kind of system that govern us and we need to know where we can have a say in that and you know um deal deal with each part of it where it's necessary reserve where it's not necessary uh, get away with it and so i started this thing that i hope i'm gonna give for long to just dive into every of the systems that we have and simply just trying to understand each and every of these systems how they benefit us what are their disadvantages and what can we do to actually improve them because i think uh a better kenya or kenya is governed by systems and when we understand these systems then we can hold our leaders accountable well and we can be able to demand for a better kenya so without further ado, I'm going to start on this one. Uh, what I have planned on the system of education is I'll start by giving a little history. Then the next episode, I'll talk about something else. And the last episode, I'll also talk about something else. So I'm going to keep it juicy and not tell you what something else is, right? <laughs> All right, let me get into it. Um, so where did the concept of education begin? I think it's absurd to think that um, the African culture did not have education. I believe we had education, but it was probably not the kind of education where you go to school, you know, and do um, like what we do right now as our kind of education. But I believe there was education because people are taught skills. People are taught how to manu- how to talk to animals, how to you know, uh, make different kind of foods, how to treat themselves. I mean, there must have been some form of education. But then the concept of schooling was not there. And the concept of schooling was brought about with the Western education. And when did this begin? This began in 1846 when the missionaries arrived in Rabai and they decided they're going to establish the first uh, school there. And the purpose of this, I think most time, you know, we have this I don't know if you guys have this beautiful <laughs> image of missionaries, but I, I grew up knowing that missionaries came to help. You know, even how it was taught in history, it was never taught in any other way other than missionaries came to bring good <laughs> good vibes, you know. But I read um, upon things, and I think one book that really explains all this so well is a book by Walter Rodney called How Europe De- Underdeveloped Africa. And... Uh, yeah, it's a very interesting book. If you guys want to do a book reading, let me know. And then we can be doing that too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so in that book, he says that the missionaries were really a way in which colonialism, the path of colonialism was being paved. So with the introduction of education, they say that 
they were simply coming to civilize the Africans from the knowledge that Africans were civilized and from the knowledge that for us to be accepted in this world that was moving on, we needed to be like the Western person. So the purpose of education was to civilize us and civilizing us meant taking away the cultures that were African and really imposing the Western values on the people. So in 1846, they arrive at Trabai. They're given a piece of land by very lovely people. And they're told, don't take anything from us. But apparently they don't. So they take it and they build a school. And that begins the whole uh, work that missionaries came to do, pave the way for colonialism. And now, in 1903, we have the... Uh, Charles Elliot coming in. Charles Elliot comes and says development of education is necessary and uh, everyone needs to go to school. And they come up with the 1909 Fraser Commission which says that everyone needs to go to school but there will be a racial segregation kind of school because they believe Africans are not smart enough and their brain capacities cannot hold so much knowledge. <laughs> like, do, do you realize how science was funny back then? But it, well, yeah, and what was this uh, racial segregation kind of school? So they decided that the Europeans and the Asians are going to get the academic kind of education and then the African uh, uh, will get the labor-oriented kind of education that is suited to actually work for the European person. And, um, you know, for most, it felt like this is an advancement of education, but in real sense, it was just a form to delay the African person, you know, and so the Fraser Commission is passed and everyone has to attend schools and the schools are uh, divided into these segregations. Um, another thing that happens is they say that Christian education is compulsory for Africans. You cannot escape it. And then they go ahead and abolish the teaching of every of African customs, every of African culture. And they say, you have to listen to the missionaries. You have to follow their arithmetics, their writings, and any of the values that they impose on you. And there it begins with the Western education. And uh, this type of education at this time, there was also the use of the 74263, if I'm not wrong. That system of education was what that was the system of education that was being passed to the academics from Europe and from other parts of um, Asia. And so in 1910 and 1909, there are two people from the um, Kisumu region who decide we don't really want this uh, kind of education where you're giving us the peanuts form of education and educating the other people for the best. We want to reserve our own kind of education which teaches us our custom, which teaches us how to relate with each other, which teaches us how to improve our land. We want to retain that. And they went ahead and formed a strike against this, but it did not last because, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 British, the, the colonizers were not there to simply smile with us. <laughs> you know, they, they could use force, they could use all those form of ways to ensure that what they wanted was engraved in us. And so they did that, and the Luo Nomino Commission and the guy who striked in Maseno uh, was cut out of the picture. And then moving forward, people kept on resisting on this, on this, on this until around 1929, where there is an association that is formed that is totally against missionary schools. And it's really purely for if this education is not really advancing us as Africans, it's only 
delaying us or just making the progress of advancement more and more difficult. We don't want it. We want to start our own schools, uh, establish our own schools, rule our own school, teach our own curriculum, teach our own syllabus. And so they developed the Kenya Institute, uh, the Kikuyu Institute uh, Schools Association. And these people really fought against the missionaries. They fought and fought and fought and fought. And by the time it was around 1935, they had established about over 10 schools. And this also was where the concept of Harambe schools came about. And this went on again, kept going on until around 1950s and around 1950s as you all know there was a state of emergency and the state of emergency was simply due to the fact that the Maumau um, had rebelled against the white people and uh, the British thought uh, who gave you who gave you the audacity to, to tell us you're wrong what's going on in your brain you're gonna suffer for this right and so they take away the independent schools and they decide we are gonna do what we're gonna do is these schools are going to now be government schools and some of them we're going to give to the missionary schools. So they become like church kind of schools. And that's why we have, if you look like the Loretum Songaris, we have all those schools that are more church-based and those schools that are government schools. So that happened and that's how we got to where we are. And um, when that was happening, also around that around 1950s and that time, among also the people who were getting this preferential type of education were also some of the African leaders. And again, in the political mystery uh, episode that was among my last episodes, I talked about how the leaders back then were simply being taught by the colonizers, right? And through this uh, education that was segregatory, they also paved way for some of these Africans to you know, to be converted to the Western way of life, right? And so that they can come back and um, rule the people. And so that happened. And around this time now, um, there was the concept of international schools came in because we didn't have, by 1950, there was no university in Kenya. So the concept of you learn in the country, but then for university, you have to go abroad. And so I think that was so costly. And that was something that was brought about by a tomboy. It was called the airlift program. Because there's no university, you learn what you have to learn in the country. Then for university or for your higher uh, uh, higher learning, you go abroad. Until 1956, that's when they built the Nairobi Royal College. which then converts to Nairobi University in the 1970s. And... Um, yeah, so the airlift program comes in, but also apart from the airlift program, because you now around 1956, 19, the end of almost when you're gaining independence, there's so much diplomats coming in and out. You know, there's so Africans going in and out. They decided, you know what, uh, there can also be international schools, and the McKinney School was the first international school that was built and it came into place. And then uh, after that, you know, we kept on going. But I think it's so interesting how, you know, all this development <laughs> has just been pushed from Rabai, a place where real people really do want that kind of education. But then all of a sudden they have that education. Anyway, it went on until um, until Kenyatta is in. And Kenyatta comes in and now the, the idea of racial segregation schools has to go off, right? Because it's unfair that people are not going to school and Africans are demanding to go more and more in school. 
so he comes in and he comes in with the idea of free primary education where everyone who is in a marginalized area between grade one to grade four that's class one to class four can go to school for free and people go to school for free of course people you know you're told school is the way out at this point also remember the people who are coming back into the country they're coming back with things africans have never seen other people who are being educated have things africans probably never had for instance the kind of clothes they come wearing the kind of cars they come driving the kind of houses all of a sudden they start erupting so many people are convinced of the idea that without education or without this western education there's really not much you can do for yourself and everyone is really trying to push their kids their families to attend this kind of education which i think is also funny because and that's why i think colonialism is really not fair because you really rub off people's ideas you take away all that they know and leave them with no option you know because these are the same people who from 1910 with the people in nyanza were fighting against the schools but now in 1930 they have the kiku the the association fighting against these missionary schools but now all of a sudden everyone wants to be part of it because it seems to be you know, they have the, the, the ideas of their kind of schools, the idea of the um, African kind of schools have really been eroded. And it's clearly they're not pushing people um, far, right? And also our leaders are accommodating this kind of education, right? So who, who are you to look up to and say, we can stop, you know? And so more people are joining, the, are taking their kids to school. And with this program that Kenyatta has brought in, more and more kids are joining school. They're having the kind of education and all that. Until we fast forward uh, to um, Arab Moe's time, and that's around 1980s. Before 1980s, so around 1980s, we have a loan with the World Bank. And the World Bank comes back and says, because I think we weren't able to pay this loan as usual, which breathe <laughs> but anyway so the world bank comes with um with the loan and they say we need our loan back but the country doesn't have money so what do they do they bring this structural um programs you know where they give you money with the aim of combating the inflation based on the loans all that process that happens with structural adjustment programs so they do that and one of the things they say is for it to go on you cannot keep on providing this kind of harambe school supporting this uh free kind of schooling you have to remove that and so in Moi's era the about the the idea of um free primary schools is removed and people no longer now get back again they can't go to school then that's you know the whole issue of the whole idea of how africa is literate and all of that start blooming and becoming big then and um, that happens until in 1980s, around the same time, we're now more in there. And we had one university, remember that time we had the only the Nairobi University. So in 1980, they decide they need a second university. And now they're going to get a second university. They invite a Canadian by the name Colin McKay. And they say that Colin McKay is going to help the country uh, build a second university but he comes in and when he comes there's proposal of how there can be another different kind of system of education and it's all lobbied until they agree the 844 system comes in now what i find interesting about this is about that same time canadians were 
taking over the land of the indigenous people who formerly lived in Canada. And what they did during this time is they actually were really exploiting and oppressing the, the indigenous people who occupied Canada at that time. And I don't know if you have heard about reserve schools, but they established these reserve schools where um, these indigenous kids were forced to attend these schools and the treatment there was brutal, really, really brutal. And if I think about it, I'll post something about that because it's a whole, I read like a whole story about it and I'll post it. But what was so what caught my eye with that it was so similar to how most of boarding schools are in Kenya, the kind of treatment that was being done to these uh, uh, indigenous people in Canada. But anyway, nonetheless, we still copy this form of education from uh, this Canadian guy. And yeah, we have 844 system. And then I'll fast forward until um, Kibaki's time in 202. Kibaki comes in and Kibaki decides, do you all remember when we had the free primary education, how many kids went to school, how this, the, the people were happy, you know, those good times. And he decided, I'm going to bring back the free primary education. And now everyone from class one to class eight, that's grade one to grade eight, can go to, um, to school for free. And what does that mean? More and more and more people talk into these schools. They want to get the education. They want to learn. And, you know, education at this point is the way forward for most people. And Western education, I have to keep emphasizing that. So uh, that happens until, um, yeah, that happens. We have, they, they have the education until now more and more kids are joining schools. But now the capacities are not reflecting the resources that are there. So there are not enough teachers again. There are not enough books. Not everyone is really getting, you know, this kind of reading because, I mean, some people don't know how to speak English. And also what I forget, in the first commission, there was a demand that Africans shouldn't be taught how to uh, speak English. That's funny, right? But yeah, so they were taught not to speak English. So at this time also, there's quite a couple of people who cannot speak English, but they have to adjust to this Western type of education. That is really not who they are, but they have to adjust to it. And they they do that so more and more people come in. But then, remember, people uh, there were people who were being educated uh, during the... the with the racial segregation kind of education so those ones got a bit high uh in in the society level and uh, you know the asians are also out so the second class kind of work that the asians did more africans also are able to do you know the clerical work the secretary work the, those kind of jobs so it's around this two or two then they m- uh, people decide no oh, the public the public schools the government schools are over flooded our kids are not getting the best kind of education we don't want to keep doing this anymore we are going to start our own schools and those are going to be private schools so if you have money you can attend the schools yikes like really we've come from a place where people are fighting racial segregation types of education saying it's really discriminated them to now this point where you're like if you have money you can come to my private school and get your child having better resources if you have no money you've got to stay in the public schools where the kind of education is not the best kind of education and that makes me really wonder hmm, colonization or oh, i don't know what to blame it on but i'm thinking so much eroded 
you know from even caring that who like everyone now can get education you know that individualistic sense then comes in so heavy on the aspect that if i have money i can take my kid to a private school if you don't have money your kid has to go to the public school and they're gonna compete for the same exams you know and and we want them to make it in life at the same level colonization i would say guys it, it took that that morality level of people trying to defend what was really useful for them what really both roots to the country and to themselves but yeah until this time that's when the 844 system has been working and with all that with this and all the problems that are now are within the, the education system the private and public schools and international schools all competing under one radar and i'll be having um, a question on that soon on on uh, instagram and you can discuss more about that but then that happens, um, and that's the system of 844 that we've all come to use up until now, up until 2018, where they decided to bring about the competency-based system of education. And my question is, is now the competency-based system of education going to be the savior for Kenya's future? Is it now going to be the equal kind of education that everyone can achieve? Nobody knows, but I'll be talking more and more about all this. And I hope you've learned something from this episode. You have a clue. You can tell someone a bit of how the history came about. And I want you all to realize that none of it is really from the African perspective. You have to realize it's completely Western type of education. And we need to start asking ourselves questions based on that knowledge. So what could have been, you know, forgetting the idea that we didn't have education People fought for a kind of education. The customs that were there, people fought for that kind of education. So I'll pass the button to you and ask you, just try and think. Maybe we wouldn't be thinking how we don't have jobs right now after studying for 25 years. Maybe, who knows. But anyway, I'll leave that to you. Until next time, peace and blessings. Cheers.